All right, guys. So I've personally felt our podcast has been lagging. The episodes have been getting longer and longer and harder to edit. So we're going to do a movie that none of us have ever seen before. Hooray! We're going all the way back to the 1990s, all the way back to uh, the era of mid-budget action crap and Hong Kong directors fleeing Hong Kong due to the uh, return to China to settle in Los Angeles, California. Ooh, are we watching Hard Target? No, we're watching the we're watching Cyhark's knockoff, starring Jean Claude Van Damme and unfortunately Rob Schneider. Hey, all right. Yes. Peak of peak of fame, Rob Schneider. Well, maybe not. I guess the Deuce Bigelow era. Yeah, which came out. Rob it was Schneider like two was, years, yeah. three years later. Yeah, can't believe they did two of those. Well, the thing about I can't believe we're talking about Douche Bigelow. <laughs> but the thing about Douche Bigelow is <laughs> Douche Bigelow. The douche, the douche Bigelow two, Douche Bigelow. I'm saying Douche Bigelow. The thing about Deuce Bigelow 2 is the original title for it, before they even had a, a script, was Deuce Bigelow, Electric Gigolo. And I'm like, that's a fun title. And they couldn't figure out anything to do with the title. So they changed it to Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. And I was like, oh, failure. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have to be electric. They could just leave that in the title. It would have been fun. Yeah, exactly. It's just a title. It's like it's like uh, Break Into Electric Boogaloo. There's no electric boogaloo. I mean... You know, he could be electrocuted and, you know, have electric powers. Exactly. He's I mean, because he, he went through, like, the metamorphosis, went through all those metamorphosis movies that uh, South Park very memorably uh, riffed on. Oh, yeah. When he... Rob Schneider is a stapler rated <laughs> PG-13. Oh, yeah. Derp, 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 derp. Yep, I remember Sorry. that. No, that was that. That just brought so me back. South Park memories just flooding into my brain. That brought me back to that summer when that episode came out, and everyone was walking down the street going like, "Derp, derp, 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 Rob Schneider, derp, derp, derp." Yes. All right, guys. So before we get into knockoff, or as I hope Van Dam pronounces it, knockoff. We've already been spending our time on this podcast so well. Yeah. No, we're gonna we're gonna briefly talk about anything interesting we've seen. Let's keep it to three movies a person this time. I was gonna suggest that. Yeah, right, three movies each. Phil, go. What are your three movies? Okay, one I forgot to mention. Uh, last by the time. way, by the way, sorry to cut you off. R.I.P. Nichelle Nichols from Star Trek and Truck Turner. We had a lot of R.I.P.s, mostly movie gangsters this summer. Oh, rough right. summer yeah. for gangsters. Yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead, Phil. All right. So, uh, one I forgot to mention on the last episode. Uh, I watched. Uh, the 1985 exploitation movie Tenement, a movie that yeah. got an X rating for violence. Directed by Roberta Finley. I have the DVD that I have not seen it, but I've been meaning to see and it. And it's on Tubi. Uh, yeah. It would, do you recommend? I do recommend uh, highly. Nice. Uh, How does it stack up with something like Enemy Territory? Oh, it's better than Enemy Territory. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Does it have uh, Ray Parker Jr. in it? It does not. Yeah. But it does have Paul Calderon. I'm not familiar with Paul Calderon. You know who Paul Calderon is. He is a character actor. He's a favorite of uh, Tarantino's and Abel Ferreira. Okay, cool. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else interesting about uh, Roberta Finley's Tenement? Uh, it is a really gnarly movie. It was a band in Ontario. Like uh, IMDb, you'll, you'll see um, because it's region specific. You'll see the rings band in Ontario. Nice. I like how. <laughs> So, like, there's a lot of films that were banned in Germany in the 70s and 80s. I feel like Banned in Ontario is, like, the hallmark for Canada. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it was banned in the U.K. until the 90s, I believe. 
I'm not surprised. Was it a video yeah. nasty or, or was it banned in the like was it uh, refused the certificate of release? I think it was just refused the certificate. Oh wow. So it's like up there with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah. It's yeah. it was banned it was banned in a number of countries. So it's she goes to show you just how gnarly the movie is. Yeah. I mean that's Roberto Finley man. Apparently her yeah. last um there's a her movie that she did in the 90s that she never wanted to release is finally coming out. So I'm oh. I forget the title of it but I I really want to see that movie. Yeah, Tenement is in the family of enemy territory and, like, Assault on Precinct 13. The way somebody described it on Letterboxd, it's like, it's kind of like Assault on Precinct 13 if it's, you know, but instead of, you know, like, criminals, it's regular tenants and uh, against a gang of... Uh, oh, gang, gang of violent criminals? Yes. Is it comparable to... Um, is it comparable to... Um, what's, what's that movie that I really like that came out that I forget the name of? Came out in 2020. It was first screened in 2019. Stars a whole bunch of people from the 80s. It is. Come on, memory. Kick in. Kick in. It's not kicking in. Not kicking in. Okay. What, what, what was the prompt again here? It was. Uh, it, it was a siege movie. Huh. You haven't seen this movie. No. No. It's great, though. It's directed by. I, remember, I even know the director, Joe Bezos. He also directed Bliss in the same year. Um, VFW, that's the name of the movie I was looking for, VFW. Highly recommended, produced by the now-disgraced and awful and gone forever, thankfully, studio Sinestate. Less said about that studio, the better. Burn in hell, Dallas Sanye. Yeah, now he produces Ben Shapiro movies. Yep, now he, from, from producing, like, critically acclaimed independent genre films to The Daily Wire Pictures Presents. Yep. Liberal like, Tears, the movie. Still gets to work with Vincent Gallo, then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Mel Gibson. Uh, anything else, Phil, that you've seen that's uh, interesting? I watched uh, Between the Lines. Yeah. This is a real solid ensemble movie. It's had a resurgence of uh, interest from 1977. Cool. Who's uh, who's behind that film? Uh, the director is Joan Micklin Silver, who also directed uh, Chilly Scenes of Winter and Crossing Delancey. And nice. I'm a big fan of Crossing Delancey. I've never seen it. I've always heard about it. So. Yeah, it's a huge ensemble in um, Between the Lines. You got like John Hurd, Bruno Kirby, uh, Jeff Goldblum. It's like, like after Nashville, it's like the most, it's when uh, the Jeff Goldblum persona was really coming into fruition. Nice. And yeah, it's basically set at an alt-weekly, a uh, an alt-weekly on the decline because there's, you know, corporate encroachment. But, you know, the... the the crew they're a bunch of you know they're true to their roots okay cool and for your third and final interesting film that you've seen recently <laughs> all right uh okay i rewatched uh raging bull uh nice the first time since i was maybe 13 or 14 mm -hmm. everyone watches that movie way too early and everyone's <laughs> kind of like i don't really like this movie and then they watch it when they're older and you're like oh that's what that means yeah i it's a movie I, I thought I had seen in between those ages because I watched Raging Fred so many times over the yeah. years. Oh, that's great, Raging Fred. Yeah, but yeah, it's such a bleak movie, but it's so beautifully made. Mm -hmm. Fantastic, good, solid choices. All right, Kit, what are three films that interested you that you've seen since we last recorded? Uh, so many, but I I will keep it to mm -hmm. three. Um, keeping with the written by Paul Schrader theme, I did. Nice. Uh, I watched Rolling Thunder. Yeah, you did. That's uh, 
Yeah. But I was I was expecting you to say it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing I picked up then. And I mean, I guess we should all say we all watched Nope. We did watch Nope. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. And to Nope, Paul I... Trader's Nope. Yes. Yeah, Paul Trader's Nope. <laughs> and to Nope, I think we all say yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, different different levels of, of like here, but um, yeah. I definitely... Uh, thumbs up for me, I would recommend. Go see mm-hmm. it in theaters. We didn't see it in IMAX, but apparently some of it was filmed in IMAX. Yeah. Um, and also, you just got to admire uh, Jordan Peele's uh, dedication to little intricacies. Somebody pointed out today that... Um, uh, you know, the, the little alien dolls that, um, um, Jupiter, the guy that played Ju- by, uh, yeah, Steven Jupa, Yoon. Yeah. Steven Yoon is, mm-hmm. uh, selling at his, uh, thing are just repurposed Gordy dolls. He's just uh, taking the hair off the faces. That's clever. Yeah. So that's very clever. Little things like that. So he's, yeah. he's definitely, uh, that kind of, but getting back to Rolling Thunder. Yes. Uh, yes. The important film. Willem Devane, um, and Tommy Lee Jones, uh, it's a it's a real fun one. Another kind of a revenge tale. Uh, oh you, yeah. You called it like a hillbilly taxi driver, which I guess kind yeah. of. Although I mean, Willem Devane is is wronged horribly. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean that's 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 my that's my even his wife his wife immediately gets home and his wife is like, yeah, I've been sleeping with a guy and I kind of want to go with him. Yeah. And he's like, ah. So right. Willem Devane just sets up a cot in the in the base yeah, in the I'm garage. Actually, agreed to marry him. <laughs> so. uh sorry about that glad you're not dead yeah um, i'm just you just go sleep in the basement i commented on my i made a comment in my letterboxd uh one sentence review that somebody literally gets a right hook and uh oh zing yes. yeah right into the old hand mm-hmm. um and i don't know it's a, it's a real good one uh there was a character name that i, I wanted to remember but now i can't doesn't matter uh anyway so that that was a fun one You've seen Rolling Thunder, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, let's see. Oh, uh, one that I really liked, uh, Just Before Dawn. Nice. That's the Jeff Lieberman movie Mm -hmm. from 1981. He, of course, uh, also did Blue Sunshine and The Swarm, I believe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Neither of which I've seen. Although I see Blue Sunshine on Shudder, and I'm thinking maybe I might check it out. Give it a look. It's good. Uh, But this one, uh, the best way to describe this one is it's basically a mashup of, like, Deliverance, uh, The Hills Have Eyes, and Friday the 13th. Although you tell me that it actually predates Friday the 13th by a few months. Yeah. uh, Which is neat. There there was no way that they could have knocked... Like, people, when it was released on video, called it a Friday the 13th knockoff. But there was no way they could have done it because they were in production either at the same time or just before Friday the 13th. Yeah, and slashers had already been invented. It's not mm-hmm. like Friday the 13th invented that concept. No, they just popularized it. Um, but yeah, that's a real good one. And they're like in the deep woods. This isn't even mm-hmm. like, they're not camping. They're like, there's no trails where they are. Yeah. And uh, basically these two giant hulking twins with uh, meat cleavers um, and, oh, machetes mm-hmm. uh, go around and uh, kill them off one by one. It's uh, Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jack Lemon's son is in it. Uh, Jonathan Lemon. Oh, Chris yeah. Lemon. Sorry, he plays Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got perhaps the most uh, nar. Oh, also George Kennedy is in it. Gotta love George Kennedy. Good old George Kennedy, star- riding a horse around in this movie, riding mm-hmm. a white horse. Oscar winner George Ke- Kennedy, star of Wacko. That's right. Um, but yeah, the uh, the ending. I don't want. I don't want to really spoil it. So if you're avoiding spoilers, then maybe uh, maybe mute. But. Um, yeah, that uh, that ending where she uh, sticks uh, her whole arm down uh, a man's throat mm-hmm. is something. I've never seen that before. I'll also point out that Greg Henry uh, is in the film. He also appeared in Body Double, Scarface, um, a lot of contemporary films as well. What was the thing he did recently that 
He was in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and 2. Um, what else was he in? Oh, he was in Slither, The Belko Experiment. he was in uh, Femme Fatale. He was in Femme Fatale, Payback, Star Trek Insurrection, uh, Just Before Dawn, of course, and many, many others. A uh, really great character actor who I believe passed away not too long ago, but he was the bad guy in uh, Body Double. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, I guess last, oh, honorable mention, I just skimmed through, mm-hmm. uh, I saw Deep Red, which I hadn't seen yeah! before. Yeah! Solid, solid film. Uh, Life Force, film I hadn't seen that one. Uh, by, uh, is it Toby Hooper? Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper. Or if you, you're familiar Tobe. with the, the classic uh, 1980s summer school comedy, Summer School, Toby Hooper. Because <laughs> they discuss uh, uh, him as an auteur. Uh, also saw another Shaw Brothers film, My Young Auntie, which I really liked. A good comedy from them. But the last film I'll highlight I watched last night was uh, Dark Waters, the uh, Todd Haynes movie from 2019 starring Mark Ruffalo. Hmm. Uh, about, um, basically about more um, DuPont chemical malfeasance and how they uh, were poisoning, just openly, just knowingly poisoning people while they were making Teflon. Hmm. Uh, they were kind of the brains behind Teflon. Yeah. Uh, and the byproduct of that... Um, they would just dump into the water and stuff and do all this terrible, terrible stuff causing cancers mm-hmm. and uh, birth defects. And then um, because uh, because the EPA was like new and they would grandfather all these things in, um, they would just like, all right, companies, you know your science, so you have to regulate yourselves. And if <laughs> you have a dangerous chemical, you need to tell us about it. And so... DuPont just didn't tell anybody about this chemical, so it was unregulated. EPA didn't know about it. And so when, when it first comes to light, they're like, well, it's not regulated. We didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes just years, like two decades of uh, court cases, and they just keep on stalling all the way through. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun movie. Tim Robbins is in it. A real fun performance from Bill Pullman, who's, uh, who's pulling an accent and everything. He's just chewing the scenery. It's great. Nice. What kind of accent? Uh, it was Southern, like, like a West Virginian accent. West, West Virginia, yeah. There, there's also a Country Roads Needle Drop, of course. Of course there's a Country mm-hmm. Roads Needle Drop. That's a good song. It is. Um, and uh, Check out Country Roads Christmas coming <laughs> this December on INSP, which is a terrible TV movie I worked on last summer, shot in the dead heat of summer in with fake snow everywhere and actors wearing toques. I, uh, I, I do like the fact that uh, apparently Mark Ruffalo is just uh, set on bringing down the DuPont family with a fox catcher yep. and now with Dark Waters. He's just trying to bring down that awful, awful family. It's his one subtle one-man time. crusade. <laughs> just like, I'm just going to every seven years, I'm going to do another movie about the DuPont family just to stick it to them. They're, they're one of the richest families in the world. Mm-hmm. They even have a street here in Toronto named after them. Is it? I thought DuPont's named after the DuPont family. I assume family? it is, but maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me if I'm I w- wrong. I would, I would figure maybe not. I mean, they also briefly had the DuPont Network, which is a, the forgotten uh, other television network in the United States, uh, which was up there with CBS, NBC, and ABC. I think it predated ABC. Ah. Yep. Anyway, that's it for me. Cool. All right. I'm going to talk about three films quickly. That, oh, um, also, RIP Bill Russell, NBA great Bill Russell, died today at the age of 88. Oh, jeez. Uh, so I'm going to talk about film three films that I watched legitimately after. By the way, this episode is going to be confusing because it's coming up before Skip Tracer um, due to Skip Tracer just being a hard episode to edit. So we'll be talking about things we saw in the past in that one somehow. Um, so I'm going to talk about Crypt of Dark Secrets, which uh, g- recently got a, um, a Blu-ray release from the wonderful people at Severn Films, directed by Jack Weiss. Jack Weiss was a 
uh, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana-based filmmaker, regional filmmaker who made uh, most notably Mardi Gras Massacre, which I have not seen. Uh, but he did this film called Crypt of Dark Secrets, or which um, was a uh, was a something weird title for a long time, and now Severin has put it out in a beautiful remastered. Uh, Two two movie set uh, called the Big Sleazy, which Kit, I think you looked at it in my apartment and was like, "Oh, Graham, for shame!" <laughs> um, I clucked my tongue at you, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it's it's great. It's it's what I kind of like about regional filmmaking. It's more of a mood. There's lots of they shoot it in the bayou, and there's lots of fog, and they talk a lot about voodoo, even though all the voodoo practitioners are clearly white people, because um, it was the seventies. Really great mood, really weird film, which is what I always like. They chose a lead actor who could not act at all. Like, literally, it was just like when, uh, spoiler alert, he dies and comes back, and he's just like, hey, what happened to me? I thought I had died in the lake. <laughs> That's his response. I think if you died in the lake, though, you might be a little stilted mm-hmm. in terms of your talk. Are you a witch who has brought me back to life? Nothing. Just... <laughs> deadness afterwards great great uh great atmosphere good regional filmmaking from the 1970s possibly a future dbv episode um then i wanted to talk about stanley kubrick's the killing the killing which, i haven't seen can i borrow that up from you yeah, yeah okay i haven't watched it in like I, I think i saw it like on tv at 3 a.m in the morning one night on a very bad print but this wonderful criterion restoration is amazing uh i know we don't get super highbrow on this podcast Maybe we will in September with Tiff coming back. We, um, we've done one or two highbrow movies, mm-hmm. I think, and our audience hates us for it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I think my yeah, it's just a flawless movie. It's really really good. Sterling Hayden is amazing in it. Um, just just like just buttery goodness throughout the entire film. I don't even know how to describe it. It's really well shot, really well put together. Just a flawless movie. And then finally, a movie from 1978 called Hot Ice. Now, I was messaging you guys about this. This is the movie that Hot Ice. Ed Wood worked on as a, I think he was like the first assistant director. This movie is a sham. Like every set is the same set, just with the furniture rearranged and the pictures moved around. Like every every room, except for there's a scene, there's three locations. There's half of a hallway. There's the one room that they redress for everything, including every like a room in Switzerland and then they go to the States and it's the same room, but with the furniture moved around. Uh, it's also a party room, but with like a little, uh, cocktail tray put out. Um, and it's also a meeting room with like a little desk put in. It's the same set. It drove me insane. Um, and, uh, it's called economy. It's called cheap. Um, (laughs) But it's it's just such a bizarre movie. And then there's like clearly stuff that was filmed outside because it's set at a ski resort. Um, and that's totally either from a different movie or shot like months or a year later because everybody's hair has changed. Um, it's just a bizarre film. And then there's there's a, they have a one bar where like this one band performs that don't have a drummer because they probably couldn't afford a drum to rent a drum kit. And it's just a weird movie. Uh, it's on Tubi. I can't recommend it. But it's just strange. It's just something that makes you go, how and why? More so the the why, and like it was it was meant to be a direct to drive in like fodder because this was like the the period. Um, so it's from the director of I think Orgy of the Dead, which Edward wrote. Um, yeah, the, the director is Stephen C. Apostoloff, which is a great last name. Uh, let's see. yeah, he did. He directed Orgy of the Dead. He directed. 
um, the cocktail hostesses, college girls, dropout wife, hot ice, class reunion, divorcee, beach bunnies, office lovin', the snow bunnies, a whole bunch of like real highfalutin movies. But yeah, it's just weird. And it's just odd that like this was, I think, the last film Ed Wood worked on before he died. died. So it's just a strange movie. And I wanted to shut it off like 20 minutes in, but I was just captivated by it. Well, there you go. And so with that, let's watch Knock Off. <laughs> we'll be right back. Oh, I didn't even say it's that by video. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Graham saying this has been an awkward intro. If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance. And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss. From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to J-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And that was Knock Off, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Rob Schneider, and the pa- late, the late great. Paul Servino. This is uh, this accidentally became a Paul Servino tribute episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he passed away this weekend. Yeah, you didn't know that Paul <laughs> Servino was in this one. Not at all. Not until- you already put this on Letterboxd? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Three and a half stars. For all the sheer lunacy that's crammed into every frame of this Paul Servino's pronunciation of entrepreneurship is singularly essential. I agree. Entrepreneurship, baby cakes. Yeah, he does. It, uh, that is probably the greatest line in the movie. But he pronounce how does he pronounce it? Entrep. It, it's, it's a like hard, a hard word to say. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, baby cakes. Yeah. And then he slaps her. I, it was a punch. Oh, he punches yeah. her even. So yeah, so it stars Jean Claude Van Damme, Rob Schneider, Lila Rochon, Paul Servino, Michael Wong, Man Tack, uh, Carmen Lee, Wyman Wong, Wei Man, uh, as Eddie, uh, Glenn Chin as Skinny. Moses Chan is Officer Fong, um, and then a bunch of other people. Well, all the bad guys have fun, fun name. All the henchmen. Are yeah, well, like, what the were you saying? Gave like, them fun names. Like Bear Tickler. Uh, Bear Tickler, Biff. Um, Chip. Chip. Hawkeye. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the page. And then th- Thugs Uncredited. <laughs> um, yeah, so this film is directed by Soy Hark. Uh, so Soy Hark has a very long and storied career. His career really took off as a producer, producing for uh, John Woo with the A Better Tomorrow. He produced A Better Tomorrow 1, A Better Tomorrow 2, and then he actually took over directing reigns for A Better Tomorrow 3 when him and John Woo had differing opinions on where the story should go. John Woo, of course, produced his unofficial uh, A Better Tomorrow Part 3, Bullet in the Head, 
or directed that rather. Um, he's also probably best known now for the Once Upon a Time in China series. He directed one, two, three. He didn't direct four, and then he came back for five. Yeah, I've never seen any of those, but I, I remember those. Uh, mostly Jet Li was Jet Li yeah. playing uh, legendary uh, Chinese folk hero Wang Fei Hung. So who Jackie Chan also portrays in the Drunken Master series. Wang Fei Hung, uh, he's a folk hero that has been portrayed many, many times, like throughout. Is that also Fist of the Red Dragon? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, he's a long-tenured uh, um, uh, Hong Kong action director and now mainland China action director. Uh, and this film was actually his second and last American film, the first, of course, being Double Team, featuring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman, back when that was a thing. Um, this film, however, I, I, it succeeds brilliantly. Like, this is way better than I was expecting. I was hoping for, like, some solid Van Damme-isms, but this movie just goes above and beyond. It makes you like Rob Schneider, which is very difficult to do. I mean, as much as you can like Rob. That's a bit of a stretch, but... He's, Tolerate. He's still kind con- yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's luckily, he, he's nowhere near his levels of annoyance in Judge Dredd here. He's not, like, saying, I am the law. Um... That was my impersonation. Impersonation. He's, he's of there to Rob give Schneider. quips, and it like his whole storyline where he turns out to be a CIA agent. It's like I'm not buying any of this, Rob. I'm sorry. No, you're too much of a goofball. Yeah. So this is also a Steven E. D'Souza screenplay, so it's uh, very yeah. quip heavy. Exactly. Brand. Of course, like he famously wrote the previous Jean Claude Van Damme starring film Street Fighter the movie, which is an awesome rewatch. I watch. I, I think he, he, I, yeah, well. he also directed it. Yeah. Um, Stephen E. D'Souza. He's he also wrote a film that I watched recently, The Return of Captain Invincible. Um, he worked. I think he worked on the scripts for Die Hard and Die Hard Two, Predator Commando. He did uh, Judge Dredd as well, which is nuts to think he did that. What else? Beverly Hills Cop Three, Hudson Hawk, Tomb, the first Tomb Raider, Forty Eight Hours, the Flintstones movie. Um, the Flintstones movie had 35 screenwriters. That's those, true. Yeah. That's true. I was reading up on that because I, I remember that. I kind of liking they that. They had movie. to get it right. Yeah. It was. He also famously uh, wrote and uh, the 1987 TV movie The Spirit, based on the classic comic book series starring Sam Jones from Flash Gordon. I think he also did The Running Man. Uh, yeah. I, th- I I'm not entirely sure. Uh, his most recent credit, though, is Gotta Catch Santa Claus from 2008, <laughs> which is an animated film. Um, so, oh yeah, he did The Running Man as well. Die Hard, Die Hard 2. I think that's actually all the films. Oh, Ricochet, Bad Dreams. Yeah, Ricochet is mm-hmm. singularly insane, like even more insane than Knock Off. Yeah, he did some early 2000s action stuff that wasn't that great, like blast and possessed um he also uh wrote and directed a 1973 film called arnold's wrecking company which is called the dopiest comedy of all time that's the tagline for the movie i don't know if that's an actual certification um and he did a movie called k9000 which is the story of a police officer and a scientist team up to recover her latest creation a cybernetic crime fighting dog Starring people I've never heard of. And so we'll just go back. Oh, yeah. Sue Hark did uh, his one mm-hmm. of his most recent movies is The Battle at Lake Shangjin, which and- was, I think, the highest grossing movie of 2021. 
and is about the Chinese involvement mm-hmm. in the Korean War and depicts the uh, Americans as bad guys. Yeah. Now, doesn't that there was also a sequel that came out this year? I believe. I part think two. so. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't direct that one though because it's not on yeah. his uh, resume. But mm-hmm. I know it's kind of nuts that that's where we're at now with make was like Cy Hark, especially like, guys like Cy Hark and John Woo, like they really wanted to embrace North American filmmaking and really come over here, but uh, unfortunately it didn't really work out for them. So they made their way back. I mean, John Woo lasted a bit longer. I think his last American film was Payback. The uh, Paycheck. Oh, we... sorry, Paycheck. Yes, the uh, the, the Ben Affleck starring actioner, um, which I think also featured, um, if memory serves me correctly, Uma, Uma Thurman. Thurman. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this film. So this film starts off like this is very much a Hong Kong style film to the point where I'm pretty sure they post dubbed everybody in the film like the camera work is insane the transitions in this film are nuts like there's one transition that goes into Jean-Claude Van Damme's sneaker as he's putting a shoe on that then cuts to like a a a guy uh, shooting a pool cue Yeah. yeah it's very bonkers there's also stuff where like we go in through like uh there'll be a almost proto fight club where like the camera will go through a computer and out the screen into the other person it's very nuts yeah and you get the, that mm-hmm. those hong kong kind of action hallmarks like the close-up of the barrel of the gun as it's being pointed at a guy yeah that kind of stuff the, yeah and the action in this film is great like for a film that's under 90 minutes long it is packed there's like fights there's stunts there's um jean-claude van damme at one point becomes a grease ball and like slithers his way between shipping crates on a uh on a barge. There, there's a hidden rocket launcher in a safe. Oh, that scene was great. <laughs> Which everybody knew something was going to... The second that poor Eddie was opening up that safe, we're like, something bad's going to happen. Oh, he's like, I gotta, I'm going to protect you, Eddie. And Eddie's like, I can protect myself. And you're like, you're doomed, Eddie. Yeah. I got something, but your family, I'll show you. I've been saving it. And then he le- looks down, and this rocket launcher just shoots a rocket at him, blows him out of the building, across the street, and then he explodes. <laughs> he literally explodes against a wall. It's fantastic um so where do we start with this movie so so rob schneider and and jean-claude van damme are working as um well first we mm-hmm. uh we get the like kind of the cold open where there's some mysterious stuff going on and mm-hmm. there's all these doll heads and dolls kind of floating in the water yeah um and then there's these two uh like there's these russians that are coming to collect them mm-hmm. and then there's these other people who are who are there yeah anyway the dolls blow up mm-hmm um, and then there's a high-speed water chase. Yeah. Uh, and the Russians get away. Yeah, it's... Honestly, I gotta say, the cold open is kind of pointless because you could just figure that out. In it, like, basically, the whole thing... The whole plot of the movie is that the Russians are... Or that the Russian mafia is secret... Very convoluted. Is, are, ...have developed nanobombs, which are so small that uh, that they can fit... They're basically the size of, like, a watch battery. It looks a like watch a, battery. a watch battery. Yeah. Which, I don't know, that's not nano, really. No. I mean, compared to other bombs, probably. I guess so. Yeah, and so it's they basically have big explosions and small, little contained like nano bombs, and so they're trying to get them into the U.S. by shipping them through using knockoffs. So at the opening, they were using, uh, they were replacing the eyes of the dolls with these little nano bombs to ship them into the U.S. And then later on, we learn because Jean Claude Van Damme and Rob Schneider they work in the fashion industry in Hong Kong, basically selling knockoffs to the states. Um, and at one point, Jean-Claude Van Damme is called the greatest knockoff artist of all time. Even as he's, like, pulling out these uh, Puma shoes. Yes, they're supposed to be Pumas, but there's an extra M. And at one point, he gets foiled by his own shoddy merchandise when... It falls apart on him. Yeah, while he's in the middle of a rickshaw race where Rob Van Damme... Like, basically, Rob Schneider is his jockey. <laughs> Did you say Rob Van Damme? <laughs> I said Rob Van Damme. Yes, of course, ECW original wrestler Rob Van Damme. I'm more familiar with Rob Van Damme than Jean-Claude Van Damme at this point. 
big fan of Rob Van Dam. Uh, J- J- Is there really a wrestler named Rob Van yeah. Dam? Yeah. Okay. Because he kind of looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. His real name is like Rob Zakowski. Or something, but yeah, Rob Van Dam. Yeah, we pretty much quickly get to this rickshaw race. This mm-hmm. is where we also meet Eddie Wang for the first time. I was just a cheating cheater. He is a cheating cheater, but in a lovable, rascally way. Yeah, where I guess we're still supposed to like him, but he does. He cheats at the rickshaw race by having he going. He takes a shortcut and then gets a body double. Yeah, he's got like everybody's kind of got like somebody in the back seat a of the jockey, rickshaw. Yeah, a jockey, and he's got like a um, a little a, person, a little person mm-hmm. in the back of his seat. But when uh, his rickshaw gets replaced with the with the double, it's like a little boy in the back. Seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, just the ball. and then at this point, the, this is when the Russian mafia are trying to catch Eddie, and so this is where this, the the plots intersect. So also, Rob uh, grabs an eel at one point and then uses that to whip. Yeah, uh, Van Dam's butt. Van Dam's butt. Van Dam's character by the name is Ray. Yeah, who was born in Indochina. Like he, like his characters always have these comp convoluted international like it's never just like oh i'm from brussels and then i came here after college it's i was born in indochina and then i was my then at age 10 my parents died and i was adopted by eddie wang's family and that's how you like what yeah. just 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 be from brussels also this is a uh... this is like two sentence exposition yeah <laughs> Also, this is the maybe the goofiest I've seen uh, Van Damme in a movie. Yeah. He's really goofballing it up. Which is great, because it makes the action... When you first see him, he's just, you know, driving high speed and, I guess, yeah. a BMW to some HK pop. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He loves the HK pop. Mm-hmm. Which I heard a lot of, actually, because in university, I was uh, good friends with... Um, uh, one of my best friends was from... her. She, she was from Vancouver, but her family was from Hong Kong, and so... She got all the the best Hong Kong pop, which I always was just like shaking my head out, like this is so cheesy. But of course, now that I'm in my late thirties, I'm like, you know what? This is pretty good. It's fun. Um, so the the bad guys try and kidnap Eddie, but of course they kidnap the double. Then Van Dam and Schneider they shoot the double. They don't yeah, they hesitate. shoot him. They follow them in. There's this big action sequence. Their van crashes into a grocery store, which also contains a a female police person, a female police officer. From the Hong Kong police, played by Carmen Lee, who you think would become like the female lead of the movie, but she yeah, doesn't. It feels like this is going to be like a little meet cute here with her and Van Damme, and then we're gonna she's going to be established as a character. But this is the only time we see her. Uh, this scene, and then there's a follow up scene at the police station. Uh, but it's actually uh, uh, Lila Lila Roshan who becomes the the female lead. Um, but, uh, there is a there's a great scene here where the uh, the the female cop she uh, she corners one of the bad guys and mm-hmm. she handcuffs him and she's like, "You're gonna talk, perp." And, and then, then one of the Russian bad guys just shoots him dead. He's like, no, he won't. And he's like, no, he's not. And then he shoots the uh, the, the perp dead. Yeah, he shoots his own teammates. I don't know why they trust each other if they're like going killing I, each that's other. That's when I knew this movie was going to be good. Yeah. And there's like a whole bunch of action stuff here. And then it ends with basically Van Damme realizing there was a switcheroo on Eddie. And the the and Carmen Lee like points his gun and says like freeze police and Rob Schneider runs in and immediately throws a can of soup at her head and it knocks her out it and he's knocks like her out cold. he's like I got it and like and Van Damme's like you idiot she was a police officer and then the real police show up uh, or not the real police the rest of poli- like the police show up and basically bring in Schneider and Van Damme for questioning Van Damme is shoeless by this point right because his knockoff puma. Puma, Puma, Puma sneakers have like we've been seeing like in depth again Fight Club style close ups of like the soles ripping apart and to the point where like the shoes actually like fall apart on him as he's running. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. and uh, from there, basically, this is now where we meet the character of Karen Lee, played by Leela Roshan. She works for V Six Jeans, so they the police release 
uh, Snyder and Van Damme basically saying, like, we got nothing to hold you on, but we'll keep our eye on you. Um, all this time they're being listened to by another police officer who we all joke for was from CSIS, but he's not. Yeah, well, because everybody turns out to be CIA. Yeah. And we were like, maybe he'll turn out to be CSIS. Yeah. he doesn't. Yeah, that's, uh, that's Han, played by Michael Wan Mantak. CSIS, by the way, is the Canadian spy uh, agency. Shh. In case you were wondering. You're not supposed to say that. The Americans, we don't want the Americans to know that, you know, in case they cease us. Um, <laughs> they'll cease us no more. Um, so from there... Uh, so from there, they're confronted by Kieran Lee, who works from V6. And then, so we should point out later on, it's revealed that Rob Schneider is a CIA agent. And then even later on, it's revealed that, that she is a CIA agent that he didn't know was also working on the same case. Yes. And they all work for Paul Servino, sort of. Sort of. Although Paul Servino doesn't seem to. Anyway, yeah. we we're, should also, get, we're getting our head of We should also point out there's a big, there's a gang, there's a, there's a large, overweight uh, mafia boss named Skinny. Who runs uh, Skinny's uh, Frights or Skinny's Frights? He uh, yeah. he's in charge. He's their distribution guy. They work with him to yeah. uh, to, to ship sh- their their knockoffs knock to the states exactly. And he's the one that connected the Russians to Eddie. And Eddie is the one that shipped the dolls. <laughs> it's a massively convoluted. Yeah, it's plot. A very com- like the like Stephen E. D'Souza. And it like, doesn't need to be. No, but it all makes sense. That's the weird thing. Like there's no plot holes in the film. Uh, it's it's convoluted as hell, but there's no plot holes. Um, so from there. Well, we get to the scene where they're in the bar together, and they're both wearing Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. And then um, Van Damme flexes a little, and he and rips, rips the, the shirt. Yeah. And they're actually rubs. in a, a dim sum restaurant. That's right. And which... they keep on, like, they keep on taking the little, uh, uh, what do you call it? There's a funny little bit where... Oh, like a, like a, like a, uh, not a wonton. A wonton or something yeah. like that. And, uh, a dumpling, yeah. Dumpling, VD. And passing at each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We should, I explained we should, that really well. Yeah, death by video. We should take a trip and get some dim sum. <laughs> I haven't had dim sum in ages. Death by Dim Sung. It'd be good. <laughs> That's our spinoff. Death, Death by, by Dim, Dim Sung. Sung. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's that really weird line where, like, he, Rob Schneider's so angry about the shirt. He gets uh, he gets beer spilled on his, his yeah. Hawaiian shirt. And he leaves and he goes to the washroom and he's like, I should kill him in front of his parents. Yeah. And you're like, like whoa. <laughs> yeah, this movie escalates a lot. There's a lot of, like, high emotions going on here. Yeah, especially from uh, Van Damme. Especially from Van Damme. Yeah, yeah, he goes all over the map. Well, I mean, he's a, he is a guy that like finds out his whole life is a lie. Like Eddie betrayed him, Skinny betrayed him, Rob Schneider, his partner, is a secretly a CIA agent that was entirely working just to set him up. This is true, yeah, and and we find this out in this scene where Rob Schneider, I guess, after he uh, washes his shirt a little, he goes to meet with his his connect, his yeah. connection mm-hmm. in um, the men's room. Yeah, and uh, Ray uh, Jean Claude goes to find him, goes mm-hmm. up to the washroom. Uh, and then goes out onto the roof because he sees the windows open, and then he immediately fights two guys. Yeah, two CIA guys, and then he's climbing up the... And this is where he learns that Rob Schneider is a CIA agent, and he overhears them uh, on top of the roof as he's climbing up the ladder to go to the roof. And then he gets up and basically like threatens to push Rob Schneider and... Immediately confronts them. He doesn't realize they're CIA, he just thinks he's being... You're being... You're setting me up? I don't know why I almost (laughs) went Arnold there. You you do a very good uh, Van Damme, actually. No, I don't. Um, they're setting me up. You mean I'm French? <laughs> it's a knockoff. Um, by the way, we found out that the uh, the theme song to this uh, movie was written by Sparks, the legendary rock band who everyone thinks is British but are actually American. Yeah, it plays over the credits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll we'll include it with uh, with the episode. Don't say that. Then I have to look it up. I have to get a <laughs> copy of it. Um, 
but from there, and they didn't mention this in the Sparks documentary that they did the theme song to Knockoff. Why would they miss that? Such a huge no, the thing, moment you, in their But career. you haven't seen the Sparks documentary. The Sparks documentary is actually so in-depth. They go through everything. They talk about the fact that they were even like the on-screen rock and roll band in Roller Coaster, the movie, in 1976. Um, anyway, back yeah. to the rooftop. This is when we meet uh, Paul, Paul Serena, Serena. Who just comes up behind him and is like, are you going to do that? And this is where we find out that Paul, that Rob Schneider's been working for the CIA to try and bring down these Russian nano bombs that they've been like snuggle, smuggling yeah, they, in through. I think Jean Claude is like, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul Savino is like, "I'm the last face you're gonna see if you push those guys off the roof." Yeah, and so he doesn't. So he doesn't. And this is when now uh, Jean Claude feels kind of wounded, but he decides like, "I'm gonna I'll work with these guys because I've got no other options." We should also point out this is all happening just before the handoff of Hong Kong back to the Chinese government. It's so strange that it's set around that time because yeah. it doesn't really play a major part in the yeah. plot. Well, this film came out in 1998, and it was actually one of the. It did a lot of like. I mean, it was the last real. How do I put it? Like big crossover between. Uh, Hong Kong filmmaking and North American filmmaking. It was also the last time there's a, an airport featured in the film, and it was the last time that anything was filmed at that, that airport because it actually shut down in 1998 when the Chinese took control. Huh. Um, so I guess they had to yeah. mention it. I mean, it's, but also like if you were dealing with Hong Kong at all, like people forget, like in Rush Hour, they mentioned the, the Chinese takeover of, of Hong Kong. Like it was a big deal that like this British territory, um, which was essentially operating as an independent country like Canada. It was had its own government. It had its own, like, uh, everything like that. It was being handed back over to the Chinese. And in, at the time, China was saying, well, we'll keep it largely as it is, which is gradually worn away, uh, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, it was big, and it was in the air, and of course they would mention it in this film. So back to the film. They go to meet Eddie. So now uh, Van Damme is, like, against his... Or, so they meet, but they met, sorry, we didn't talk about how they, they met uh, Karen, who is the V6 jeans You You person. did mention that, yeah, we did? at the uh, police station. Yeah, she meets them, and she kind of interrogates them, saying, like, hey, you, you guys are selling rip-off jeans. And they're like, oh, sorry, I guess it was a mistake. Um, and from here, they go to meet Eddie. And this is where, like, the first big action set pequ- set sequence, set sequence yeah, he gives them pieces. a so Eddie gives them a strange fruit. Yeah, spiked uh, I was fruit. just trying to look it up and I can't. I can't this spiked fruit that becomes a running gag, and basically Rob Schneider hates this fruit because every time he touches it or holds it, it, it spikes him. And it's a very spiky yeah. uh, Asian market fruit. Mm-hmm. And this is when Roy, aka Jean Claude Van Damme, basically tells Eddie, "Like I know you screwed me. I know you're doing this." And Eddie's like, "Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Like blah blah blah." Uh, but let me give you this thing. I know how to defend myself. Like. And this is where John claude Van Damme spills the bill, the beans that, like, the Russians are going to come for you. Because Eddie explains, like, the reason why those dolls were at the bottom of the sea was that he realized that, that the Russians were sneaking in bombs. And so he just threw it overboard into the ocean. And that's why it was at the bottom of the sea at the start of the film. And so at this point, Eddie, like, knows that he's going to be tracked down by the Russians. So he opens up the safe, and this is where he gets exploded by a rocket launcher. <laughs> it's It's a fantastic scene, folks fantastic it gets just impaled by the rocket yeah and then thrust against the wall and then the rocket explodes and mm-hmm. he explodes with it yeah what did you have to say phil oh no I, I didn't have anything to say okay you're motioning to the microphone um and from there this is where a big fight scene so this is also where like the first of the unbelievability of rob schneider's character comes in where he can like hold his own in a hong kong fight and i'm like no. a little bit yeah yeah he gets cut in the back with a sword a bunch of times there's a lot of time i some of the choreography was pretty good because uh, mm-hmm. Van Damme kept on trying to like get him out of the way of of because uh, they've called yeah. got 
uh, machetes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, like these fruit cutting machetes that mm-hmm. they come in. They're in a fruit market. Yeah. Uh, and it's a pretty good uh, action sequence. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff going around. And uh, it's at this and point. There, there's a motorcycle with a uh, key in the ignition somehow that uh, Van Damme uses to get away. Yeah. It was more like a scooter of some sort. Yeah. Like a moped. Yeah. And Rob Schneider real- realizes that um, they, they're being filmed because there's a camera. And so he actually goes and he takes the whole VCR, including the tape, because they've got all the people who like tried to attack him. Because I think Skinny showed up. Or no, not Skinny. Somebody else showed up there. I mean, Karen uh, shows up, but we find we're, that out yeah, later. Yeah, we're getting yeah, ahead yeah, of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so where do we go from there? So basically Jean-Claude uh, gets uh, Rob Schneider out. And he gets him out. They they get the, the tape. And then yeah. uh, there's... They, they go back to headquarters. Sort of. They wind up... Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude winds up in a parking garage. Right. And this is and where... And he goes after Skinny. He goes after Skinny. And this is where he overhears... Oh, he goes after Skinny. He confronts mm-hmm. him. And then Skinny uses the term... Um, executed. Executed. While they execute mm-hmm. it. And he's like, why did you use this word? Yeah. Executed. Uh, and I guess that kind of tips off that he... The Jean-Claude that Skinny is on the side of the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Jean-Claude, there's a big old fight scene here. Jean-Claude throws Skinny in the back of a car. Classic JCVD fight scene. And I'd say better than most of his fight scenes because it had so much energy. That all comes down to the Soy Hark. Like, he really made Van Damme look like a million dollars in this movie. It's filmed like you're just tripping balls. This, Yeah, there's some weird double exposure that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so Van Damme traps Skinny in the back of a car. And I don't mean the trunk. I mean the back seat. And he, then he drives the car out of a window. <laughs> it flips it, over. It flips over, smashes into like a bunch of like water cooler, water containers, flips over onto a shipping container, and then lands on its wheels and drives away. Yeah, lands right side up, and yeah. Like the hood is caved in. Yeah. Like there's no way. No, I mean like it also like when it flipped over, like it came down on its axle. Like it's it's bent. Like the axle is bent. <laughs> it can't drive. But but this being movie magic, it just drives away easily. Movie magic. Like nobody's mm-hmm. injured. Yeah. So Skinny is now in in custody. They take him back. Oh, we forgot that the secret uh, CIA hi- hideout is in a giant Buddha statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm pretty sure is a. Well, I mean, any footage they shot around it was green screen. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's a big tourist attraction in Hong Kong. So that's where the CIA is hiding out in Hong Kong for you uh, Hong Kong listeners out there. Go go get them. Um, <laughs> um, so they review the tape from the fruit market fight, and that's where they see that, oh, Karen, the V6 girl, uh, V6 person, she's actually, she was there. So she, she yeah, must she's be working with, with the Russians. shades and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we find out mm-hmm. that. I feel like there was another. Oh, we forgot all about that one scene where... Um, the they're at that market and the the truck comes out and there's that wild scene where Van Damme is on oh, the back of the, the we, bamboo. I didn't think we were there yet. Oh no, that happened already. Oh really? Then. Yeah. Yeah. This is when Han. Yeah. You were, you were wondering why um the V six lady is even there. It's like right. why, why is she even there? No, no, that's later on. No, no, no. It's no, not. no, because she was. They were traveling with the V six lady. Remember when she was like, "Oh, I wanted one of these like apple babies for my dot." Oh right, she was there. We didn't, yeah, because at that point we didn't, yeah, she was there. There was, we just skipped that yeah, scene. But listen, the plot doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, and that was a big scene. So we're I just, forget why they were there, what they were doing. To they were trying to track down the Russians. Oh, because they have that tracker. The tracker that that tracks and they, the nanobombs. They followed the tracker to there. Yeah, uh, and then they realized the truck was coming out. And yeah, and it just kind of drives over an entire market. Um, Van Dam's on the roof. Van Dam is on a balcony, mm-hmm. and it takes down the balcony, so he falls on top of the truck. 
And it yeah. also, uh, there's like, you know, there's all these festivities going on because of the handoff. Yeah. Um, so he's on this like giant bamboo enforced flag and the Russians are trying to shoot him through the flag. Yeah. One of them gets impaled on a bamboo scaffolding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rather gory. Pretty gnarly, yeah. Yeah. Lots um, going on in this movie. And this is sort of where we realize that they're kind of being sensitive about the swears. People are saying, shoot, instead of shit. Although they do occasionally yeah, say shit. They say shit, and they drop the F-bomb at a certain they're point. They're going for that PG-13 rating. Yeah, even though I don't think they got it. I think that it was an R. But, um, I, I think it was the bamboo impalement that really <laughs> That would do it for sure. PG-13. But Sue Hark is like, Mm -hmm. we're not cutting that. No, of course not. That's artistic integrity. Um, So back at the... Now we're at the Buddha, and this uh, is where they realize Karen's... We went back in time, and now we've skipped back at it. Yeah, and so Paul Serino's like, I'm going to go interview Skinny. Rob Schneider goes home to get his wounds taken care of. Van Damme's like, okay, I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm just going to go track down What's-Her-Face. Oh, right. Yeah, the... um, the the v6 because like rob schneider does not know that because he went home because he got his back sliced up so he's trying to like heal his wounds rob schneider in the best shape of his life no doubt oh yeah he worked out hard for this one scene where he took his shirt off (laughs) um so karen shows up and she is basically like oh like let me take care of those wounds for you and she uses her boob sweat it's a a secret ointment pats it down to like rub rub his wounds with it's clearly an attempted seduction. He sits her down. She sits him down, and then she handcuffs him and pulls out a gun. And she's like, "I'm CIA." Or no, she doesn't say she doesn't that. Say that. Yeah, that's later on. Van she just Dam- demands info for right. Him. So as Van Dam is leaving the Buddha, it blows up, which means that the Russians killed off Skinny and Paul Serino. And so Van Dam's like, "Oh no, I have to get to Schneider's house before you know things." So he shows up, uh, and this is when uh, Kieran explains, "Like I'm actually a secret CIA agent." There's a little bit. There's a bit of a fight between them. Uh, yep. Yeah. At one point, she smashes Van Dam through a door. Like she's shown to be a tough woman. But then he uh, he gets uh, Rob oh, Schneider, Schneider gets, gets the gun, gun, points it at yeah. her, and then she says, "Okay, just look in my pants. You wanted to get in there a few minutes ago." <laughs> and he goes to check her pants, and he's, she's like, "No, the back." And initially, I'm like, "Oh, butt stuff." But no, she's into <laughs> no. That's where her like badge is, and he's like, "Oh, it's legit." So they check it out. Well, first uh, Van Damme is like, "It's, it's a, a fake, fake dummy." Yeah, yeah. but Turn, it's not. It's not. They they verify it, and turns out she's part of it. I love that all these CIA agents just don't even know what's going yeah. on. No one knows what's going on. So there's a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo that happens here now, and essentially, um, how do Karen we, and Karen? They, they figure out there's a shipment of yeah. some sort. Right, 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 because they're going to ship the jeans. And this is where Van Damme realizes, because, like, in he basically... He, he's got a pair of his knockoff yeah. jeans on. And, like, the tracker is there, and all of a sudden it's like, beep, 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 beep. And he realizes, like, oh, the bombs are in the, the jeans. That's how they're shipping them back. It didn't work by yep. shipping them through the eyes of the Apple baby dolls, so they're going to ship it back in the jeans. On the little buttons of the jeans. Yes, and so there's a big old shipment of knockoff jeans heading to the U.S., at the same exact same time that Prince Charles is handing over control of Hong Kong to the Chinese. Al Gore is going to be there. I know. Everyone's excited. He's bringing the internet to Hong Kong. Um, well, yeah, there is that one scene where Van Damme has a laptop. And yeah. He's working off the laptop. It's not plugged into anything. It's, it's weird looking back at movies now with laptops in them before like, Wi-Fi exists. And you're like, why do we even have laptops? Like, I mean, I realize why it's that you can type when you're on the road. But it's like you can't send email. You can't do... You can't really... You, I mean, it's weird thinking about computers before the internet. I mean, you could play games, you could do word processing, you could run run programs. And I mean, computers were connected to like, I mean, I think I sent my first email in 1989. There was, I remember, 
Yeah, I remember my uh, my cousin was uh, flipping out because she was instant messaging somebody on the internet in the mid-90s. She's like, I'm talking to a real person. It's How'd you get internet in the East Coast in 1989? So the internet, uh, so in Newfoundland, when it came to internet, was way ahead of the curve. They pre, they actually laid fiber optic cable in the early 90s, like right along the side of the Trans-Canada Highways to connect the internet. Because the one thing about Newfoundland... Um, that you learn growing up there, and if you visit there, is that communication is always key. Yeah. So, for instance, the first international wireless message was sent from, famously in the Canadian Heritage Minute, um, Marconi sent a wireless message all the way from uh, Signal Hill in Newfoundland to to England, and and vice versa. So, like co- communication, especially wireless communication, electronic communication, like we had uh, fat, like internet was in Newfoundland in like I used it in '95. I think we got it in the house in '96. Um, and like we, you know, we weren't like hoity-toity rich people. We just, you know, had a Pentium computer that everyone had, and just connected it to the internet. And it was wild because like the early internet was just like web pages full of text about stuff. So you would, for me, it was looking up stuff about Mortal Kombat or Spawn the movie that was coming out that summer. Um, this is a big. You're going track. to uh, the Space Jam website. Nah, I don't <laughs> to Space Jam. Um, Not up anymore, apparently. I do remember the the movie that had the most online presence in the the mid '90s was actually GoldenEye. They re- would release like five second trailers uh, through, I guess, their real player. Yeah, it was yeah, probably. Yeah, it was real player. player. Like it was the first film to have QuickTime. a website. Um, it was before QuickTime. QuickTime happened uh, huh. in 2000 when a bunch of people working at Apple were trying to find a high res copy of the Star Wars Force Awakens. Not Force Awakens. Star Wars. The Phantom Menace trailer to watch, but they couldn't find it online. It was all just like real player cli- clips, and so they developed QuickTime as a high quality online video uh, f- format. Well, how about that? Yeah. Big digressions. Uh, skip to the end. Uh, well, we're we're on the boat, so they figure out they have to get to the mm-hmm. boat. Uh, yeah. There's there's this whole uh, on. There's a lot going on in this boat. Yeah. For one thing, it keeps on creeping towards the, the waters deadline. where the the he- the the handoff is happening, the big ceremony. And you can't go into that water. You can't go into that water. And so, like, the British general is mm-hmm. like, we're going to shoot you on sight. Yeah. So, at this point, the Russians have got, um, Paul, like, Rob Schneider and Kieran, uh, or Lila Roshan, like, handcuffed and, like, tied up and being like... I can't remember how exactly they did that. Yeah, no, yeah, it they... doesn't matter. They did it. And Han is working with Jean-Claude Van Damme to get there. Um, so, they go on... A lot on... of great little yeah. fight scenes going on mm-hmm. here. And, like, this is the big action sequence of the movie. So Paul Servino shows up with some CIA agents and, like, like, oh, you survived. Awesome. And then it turns out, no, he's working with the Russians. It's a double cross. Yeah. And this is where we get the, because, uh, uh, mm-hmm. what's her name? Uh, Kieran Lee is the character's Kier- name. Okay. Kieran Lee. Yeah. Um, she, she asks him why he's doing this or something like that or what's in it for him. And this is where he says, entrepreneurship, baby cakes. And, and punches, punches her. her. And then he punches Rob <laughs> Snyder for good measure. It's the great line. And great delivery by Paul Serena. Like, cheers to him for doing this movie. Uh, he, he seems like he's having fun. Yeah. Um, also, we forgot to mention that there's, like, this weird acid syringe thing. Yeah, that they put into the mouth of, of Kieran to be like, if you say something, I'll fill your mouth with that with acid. And then Paul Servino shoots, uh, shows up, and they shoot this guy. Yeah. And you think, oh, he's saved the day. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't. No, he hasn't. He's so there why to, did like, he shoot that guy? Because he doesn't care, man. Because <laughs> it's a double cross on top of a double cross. I guess um, he never liked that guy. Yeah. So at this point, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Han, like, confiscate, basically, like, figure out some very convoluted way to try and slow down the boat using the anchor and, like, a, a, a 
a hook of some kind. So they snare the boat. They get onto it. Uh, Han like tries to like operate the boat from up top to stop it from going into like the dead zone. And Jean Claude Van Damme is left to just fight off all these guys. Um, Meanwhile, um, uh, Kieran Lee and Rob Schneider they were able to do a thing where she's able to kick the the vial of acid right and hit paul uh servino yeah. right in the elbow oh so what happens is rob schneider grabs the vial of acid with his teeth flings it up into the air and she kicks it into paul servino <laughs> right in his elbow and yeah. he's like ah and he runs away exactly it's great um and next thing you see him covered in acid burns yeah yeah and his like half of his uh windbreaker is, is uh burnt so this is where it all becomes a great big fight scene. Jean-Claude Van Damme kicks a lot of guys, shoots a lot of guys, slips around on some he, grease. He's sliding around on grease. Yeah. He uh, hacky sacks a handgun at one point <laughs> yeah. into his into his hand. Yeah. And he's yes. fighting for like about 15 minutes, this Edward Snowden lookalike who's like pulling blades out of his... Uh, well, he's pulling the, the lenses out of his out of his glasses to they're, use his like, knives. It's like 10 lenses thick, yeah. these glasses, and they're full of blades. Yeah, and then he like... He, like a guy gets sliced through the throat with one of them. It's crazy. And then eventually Van Damme, like, uh, what happens? He, like, kicks him or something. And then uh, kicks him. He does something with a net and he ensnares him. And then he drops a container, yeah, uh, ship a shipping on container him. on him. Yeah. Um, and it's like he a punches long... a blonde woman named Chip. Yeah. She just shows up and he just, like, <laughs> gives her a quick, like, hand, like punch and That's she's it for out. Her. Yeah. It's a, it's one a wild guy movie. gets down with an anchor. Yeah. And so. Is that the dude who kind of looks like, uh, looks like a dude from Ace of Base? Yeah, 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 I think yeah, his character is Biff. Yeah, and so Han, meanwhile, is up top, like, gradually getting the, uh, figuring out how to, like, steer a ship for the first time in his life away from the de- from the deadline. This is a giant ocean liner, yeah. too. As you were it pointing out, there would yeah. need, like, a crew of, like, 50 people. A hundred, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, even, like, the way it's, like, so the government, like, scrambles a bunch of um, uh, war helicopters to, like, shoot the ship if they go into the deadline, and... He stops the ship at six meters. I'm like, no, 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 that's that's not possible. Like on the a sh- dime. The ship would keep. You can't just hit off on the engine and the ship will stop dead. Like that ship will coast into there. But he turns it and heads back around, and then he drives it into a dry dock, lowers the water so that the ship comes out of the water and is no longer in the water. Um, at this point, there's been a whole lot of shooting, kicking, punching going on. Paul Servino is running off the yeah. boat. We couldn't figure Rob out why. Schneider, yeah, Rob Schneider and uh, Kieran and uh, Lila Rashan are free, and they're fighting guys. And uh, Lila Rashan really wants to get Paul Schneider. So what happens from Paul, there? Paul, Schne- Paul Servino? Paul Servino. I'm getting all mixed <laughs> Paul up. Paul Schrader? We should also point out that at a certain point, uh, Kieran Lee, uh, played by Lila Rashan, she falls down, and she starts fumbling with her cleavage for a second, and we're like, what's going on? And then it turns out there were a bunch of nanobombs that She's fell in there. she nanobombs in her cleavage. Yeah. Good, good for uh, cut ointments, but bad for collecting nanobombs. Yeah, and so she, um, she also chases all the jeans fall down. Yeah. Like there's a whole thing of like and, jeans are covering the uh, surface and of this boat. Now. Of course, that means that there's bombs all over this boat, so they have to get off the boat quickly. Paul Servino's got an escape boat, yeah. all lined up, and he he gets onto the escape boat, and then he gets his little uh, <laughs> detonator, detonator, and then he just he relishes <laughs> it. He just doesn't want to turn it. He like he like slowly <laughs> like rubs the buttons. He's, he's, he's smiling sl- and laughing. He slowly twists the dial, so like Van Dam, <laughs> Schneider, and Han get into a, a dinghy and try and escape. And we should also point out that at this point, um, uh, Kieran Lee has like snuck, basically like snuck onto the, onto Paul Servino's boat, or she's hanging off by the edge. And just as he's about to hit detonate, she throws the three nanobombs that were in her cleavage onto the boat, and then swims away. And then he hits kaboom, and all of a sudden his smile goes from like a <laughs> smile to the biggest like, oh no! <laughs> and then you, there's a smash cut to two hours later. 
Yeah. Because it ends sort of abruptly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I think it's like well, two days later. Well, there's there's yeah. uh, uh, there's that whole explosion where he's like, ho <laughs> Um yeah. And then um, while they're floating yeah. in the dinghy, Rob Schneider finds the detonator. Yeah. But he doesn't. I think his name is Solomon. I think Paul Servino's uh, character name is Solomon. Yeah. Like, and he's like, where's Solomon? This is his detonator. Yeah. So I guess that he means that he survived. Maybe because he already survived one explosion. So and I'm so thinking in my head, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's going to be another whole act. Like this seemed yeah. like the end of the movie. Now mm-hmm. we're going to have to do another thing. Nope. And sure enough, they do cut. Um, I it's, it's either a few two days, hours I think or it's two, two days, two days later. later. And like they're in a bar, and but like you can see Paul Servino. He's he's back <laughs> at it. I love it that he, he's not like I'm going to take a break no. after all that. He's like, nope. All right, there's only wins and lessons. Mm-hmm. We are we are right back on that horse. I'm gonna he's putting put little bombs into little dinosaurs. Plastic dinosaurs, <laughs> which was also uh, he's got of, a straw hat on yeah. and like a Hawaiian shirt. We should also point out that was the one of the plot points of Short Circuit Two when they were trying to hide stolen diamonds into. Uh, into plastic dinosaurs for for diamond smuggling. We definitely should have pointed that out. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Rob, Van, oh, Rock, keep on calling Rob Van Dam, Jean Claude Van Dam, and Rob Schneider, and uh, Jean Claude Schneider, and and Karen Lee and Lila Rochon are in a bar and they're talking about like what are we going to do next? And like Rob Schneider's all of a sudden back in like I'm a garment import exporter like i'm not a cia guy it's like wait no no you work for the cia well they're, they're both drunk yeah in fact uh kieran lee is, is mm-hmm. passed out yeah, yeah that's true and she and he's just like rob Schneider's like you got seven remotes in one house like what if you had one that does them all i'm like yeah it's a it's a universal remote we have them i think they even had those in the they had them back then for sure but like he meant like your toaster your oven your <laughs> you need a remote your, controller for your toaster. your garage door opener your hot tub whatever and he's like, this little thing, and he clicks it, and then all of a sudden, a building behind them just explodes. Well, and we get another good look at Paul Zervino, who's, like, greedily putting the bombs and the dinosaurs, and then it goes off, and he's like, <laughs> oh! oh! <laughs> and you you just cannot survive yeah. three explosions in one movie. I'm sorry, Paul Zervino. And then the, the credits start coming up, and yeah. there's, there's still banter there's still, And the last line that Rob Schneider says is, you can't have an action movie without sweat. And that's the last line of the movie. We're breaking the fourth wall here. We're just like yeah, and then cut to credits, and it's and with the wonderful song by Sparks, and that's knockoff, folks. That was a fun movie. Yeah. So, Phil, what are your final thoughts on knockoff? I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not expecting to. I thought you know this is just an average Van Damme movie, but no, it's mm-hmm. just so off the wall and so unpredictable mm-hmm. and. It is the thing is like this is actually like the like the downswing of Van Damme's career because like yeah, he that's he did interesting, yeah. he did the quest in ninety six he did double team in ninety six he did this in ninety seven and then like when did uh, sudden death come out oh it was before I think it was ninety five or ninety six oh, okay. he did a lot of stuff in ninety five because Maximum Risk was also ninety five yeah Street Fighter was ninety four like he pumped Time out Cop ninety three or ninety four oh that was earlier he pumped out a lot of movies like a lot of movies in the nineties Time Cop said in like two thousand four so I'm assuming it's ninety four. Ooh, probably ninety four. Yeah, so he, like he did it was a... the far distant future. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sounded like you said it was the fartest future. <laughs> Two thousand four was man. Yeah, it was pretty farty. Um, but uh, but yeah, like this was this is like the downswing of Jean Claude Van Damme, and I feel like unfortunately this movie just was that's what with all the other crap he was doing because right like right after this like he did Legionnaire which which went straight to to yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. He just did all the he did in hell like all these straight to video movies that just didn't didn't do anything and this was his last like kick at the can Eventually and he did another universal soldier i think number three or four he, he's the to. resurrection of reckoning yeah like yeah. he came back oh no he came back in 2000 it was the year 2004 universal soldier the return featuring bill Swarm. goldberg oh bill goldberg no yeah. yeah 
and the theme song by Megadeth. <laughs> was that supposed to be the good Universal Soldier? Uh, no. So that was so because they did Universal Soldier two and three were were direct to video slash TV okay, movies right. with Burt Reynolds. And then there are good Universal Soldiers now. Like in the last ten years, they started doing like new direct to video ones directed, but like shot in like Russia and like apparently those are supposed to be really not Russia but like the like Bulgaria and Czechoslovakia and places or the Czech Republic and Slovakia places like that and those are supposed to be really good like I I think um what's his name god why am I drawing a blank on his name the guy that was in Ninja and Ninja 2 um uh what's his name he's he's a decent action guy a really good action guy yeah, really good action guy. Scott Atkins, that's it. Scott Atkins was, I think, in a bunch of those. He's uh, he's he was also in Zero Dark Thirty, The Born of. We should do a Scott Atkins movie because he's he's been one of those guys that have been keeping um, like martial arts action movies going throughout the two thousands when they were pretty a little dead. Yeah, he was in Universal Soldier: Day of Reckoning, which also reunited um, Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Uh, he. Yeah, he was also in Triple Threat, an action film from a while ago by the guys that made uh, The Raid. Yeah, I guess um, JCVD was his big uh, kind of return to form. That came out in like yeah. 2010. Like 2008. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was Midnight Madness, uh, which brought him back. So, sorry, Phil. Any final thoughts? I also, it, even though we watched, a, it was just a shitty pan and scan DVD, the uh, the camera work really uh Oh, it popped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Any other thoughts? Not really that. It's like part of the unpredictability also comes from the creativity of uh, yeah, so it's visuals and it's visual set pieces. Yeah, this makes me like I see the thing is like I was kind of snobby when I got got into Hong Kong cinema yeah. and I was like John. John Woo is the best, and Soy Hark was just a leech who leeched off of him. And that led me to not watching a lot of Soy Hark movies. Like, I still haven't seen any of the Once Upon a Time in China's, even though there's a really good uh, Criterion box set that came out. Um, I really should start watching more Sci Hark, especially if it's anything like this. Like, this is great. Like, there's Time and Tide, which came out, which was his follow-up to this in the year 2000, which I remember getting some buzz at the time. But uh, other than that, not much. Yep. Hidden gem of the mm-hmm. last gap of uh, 90s action film. Yep. Kit, what are your final thoughts on Knock Off? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of big laughs. Yep. Uh, it's also a, a bright, colorful movie. Like it's mm-hmm. not like these drab action movies that they're making nowadays. It's like yeah. so filled with color and, and vibrancy. Uh, interesting uh, bit of trivia here mm-hmm. is Sammo Hung is credited in the uh, in the movie, but he doesn't act. He, he must I, have I like s- a. I spotted him on like the videotape that they yeah. took there. Like he's there right before Kieran Lee shows up. But he actually also served as the film's second unit director. That doesn't surprise me. He did that there a lot. Sammo Hung is like one of the, the more undersung uh, directors of the Hong Kong action. Uh, cinema so final thoughts oh yeah uh, thumbs up uh, that was a, a, a as phil said a hidden gem of yep. the uh, late 90s van damme canon mm-hmm. cool all right uh for my final thought for my final thoughts i dug this movie as well it was really fun really good really action-packed and 85 minutes it and it ramped up its action like it didn't actually start off with a big bang it, it ended with one and it was great. Although that one, that one fight with uh, the Edward Snowden. Oh yeah, that was amazing. It just goes on forever. Yeah, you're like I don't even know this. And, this, and, he, and he doesn't. He doesn't he's even. He's not do, like a big enemy. He like he doesn't even do any like ma- like he coughs a lot because he's like sick apparently, and he like holds his hands up and doesn't really do like any kind of like martial arts. He just is weird. Van Damme cannot kill he's, him. Yeah, he's like the Road Runner. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fun times all around. So. 
We will be back soon, hopefully, with our next film. And I decided let's keep this martial arts action film going. We're going to be watching 1997's Drive, starring um, starring Mark Dacascus. Uh, oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's a the other drive. The other drive cult, it has a growing cult following. Yeah, it was probably the peak of North American action filmmaking. Huh. Sorry, Matrix. Um, so without without further ado, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit, and I've been Graham. Saying, please keep watching amazing movies. Thank you for listening. Good. Inside.